to episode 70 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I'm Jane Desrowey, co-founder of Carrier's Edge, and... I'm Mark Morrell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Yeah. And when I started off slowly like that, you give me grief for it. Oh, sorry. Well, I can do what I want, and you just have to deal. (laughs) Isn't that the theme for today? I I seem to feel like this whole thing is basically whatever. (laughs) Just deal. Yeah. Well, I think that is the theme for most days. Yeah, is that you can do what you want and we just have to deal. <laughs> oh, I may have spiked. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a busy day. I'm My brain is kind of not there. I'm focused well, on a lot of different things at the same time. So. Yes, we are getting ready for the big excitement. That's Tuesday. only one of the things. Yeah, but Tuesday. Tuesday, February 1st, the big announcement of... The best fleets. Uh, we talked about it extensively last time, the whole scoring and what's happening with the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And since then, uh, our marketing department has been given a new definition of what a lot of deliverables means. <laughs> because there are, well, I had said there's a hundred and about 150 different deliverables that they have to prepare for the announcement. I and, think that's just the logos. Well, since then, yes, we've discovered that there's actually more than that. So there's uh, in excess of 200 different things that marketing has to have ready for the announcement with all kinds of different blog posts or uh, social media posts and mm-hmm. movies and banner images and the copy that has to go with it and all of the proper logos for all of the top 20 and the Hall of Fame and all the people that we're recognizing. Finding the correct logo is a harder job than it should be. So message to all of the Best Fleets participants, get a proper version of your logo on your website. And make it really easily available to us. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things that we do when we announce the Best Fleets, as many of you know, we put a big banner picture. It used to be a movie, but Facebook doesn't let us do do that anymore. A big banner that has all the logos of... um, the best fleets top 20. I'm not even going to talk about the other ones. Let's just talk about the top 20. This is a massive undertaking. You would not believe all we have are is best fleets, TCA and carrier's edge plus 20 logos. It is an incredible amount of work because everybody's logo is not meant to be with other people's logos. Mm-hmm. So it looks like garbage for a lot of the time. It's a trick getting them arranged so that they look decently. You got to find the right ones. Yeah. Well, that's the, yeah, that's the headache is getting a usable, good quality version that isn't on a black background or a white background, Mm -hmm. like a transparent one that we can actually put into a banner that is high resolution, that looks decent uh, on a smaller scale like that. Cause so many of them really are designed just to go on the side of a truck and they don't look good on letterhead or a business card or something. So, so yeah, we need to find transparent ones so they look decent. We need to find the most current one. And I found that the best way to find these is to see if we can find their marketing agency's versions of it. But sometimes <laughs> those are... Yeah, it's not on their website. It's on the marketing yeah, agency website. Yeah, and sometimes it's not really the same. So you're yeah. you're looking at it because I do not want to change that banner image. Yeah. When it goes out, that's the one. Well, and the, the part that's sort of going unsaid is that we can't ask the fleets to give us exactly. the logo. 
Now, we could say to all the finalists, send us a good version of your logo, but then we would have way more than we need. We have like 100 logos. Yeah. So we just go and do this surreptitiously. This is sort of (laughs) part of what people are doing. We have marketing people that are finding the logo, finding the um, proper version of their website, all of their social media references, Facebook, handles, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of that stuff. Do you think that they know that we're like searching for them? I think there's a lot of sleuthing. There's a lot of, okay. And yeah, so there are some that the logos have definitely improved over the years. Yeah. I will. uh, So my tip tip to trucking companies is have a media section of your website that has a good (sighs) reference version of your logo and has links to all of your social media presences. Well, actually, they usually have the links to all the social media presences. Well, sometimes the website that you go to with the actual domain name is almost an afterthought because they have like companyx.com, but the real website that they care about most is driveforcompanyx.com. And that's where all of the things are. So you have to kind of figure out where is the real website and where's the real references. Just so you know, for everyone. Drive for X is is not going to be a top 20 this year. Yeah. Company (laughs) X is not a top 20. No, but what the that banner image does not get changed. I mean, I absolutely hate changing it because everybody there's a lot of sharing that goes on with that image and with the top the first top 20 posts. So if we have to take it down and repost it, it's it's not as good. Um so the, the the handles that you do, like we can change those, but that the images and movies, those are really a pain. Oh, yeah. It's such a pain. Especially, yeah, when they get shared by other people. And then if you have to fix you it, they have to delete it and reshare it. Yeah. So this is these are the things that we go through. I know that everybody is feeling so sorry for us. Yeah. After the 100 question questionnaire and getting all the driver surveys, it's like, you know, yeah, you you can go look for a lo- couple of logos. Yeah. And they should be correct. And we're not going to help you. Too bad for you. Yeah. So it's nearly all done. We're in good shape for the announcement. As we record this, it's getting to be nearly all finished. The website pieces are in place. The press release is nearly finished. All the social media stuff and all of the stuff that we have to distribute Uh, Mm -hmm. as well, because all of the people that are getting referenced, uh, getting named as top 20 or hall of fame or fleets to watch, they all want versions of the logo. So we're getting all of those ready. Mm -hmm. So yeah, lots of stuff being prepped. And for the top 20 and for anyone in the hall of fame, there will be, uh, best fleets pins. There will be hall of fame pins, which is very exciting. Well, yeah, we haven't even got to the convention stuff, which is the pins and the plaques and trophies and things. We've been doing all that convention stuff. Yeah, Over the last little while, too. this is the problem is that as we get ready for the announcement, as soon as we know who the top 20 are, then we're coordinating with Marley at the TCA and sort of saying, okay, these are the top 20. This is how the, this is what their name should be. This is the spelling. This is the right place where they are located. And Oh yeah. And is there a comma before the ink or not? Oh, I know. And is there a period after the ink? Yeah. Like everybody does it differently for some reason. I thought yeah. it was kind of a standard, but no. Yeah. So we make very sure that we have all of those things correct for the plaques and trophies and all of the references in the press release and stuff. Because we have messed them up before. We've put put people in the wrong state before. Yeah, Central Oregon. Yes. But we're going to have it right this time. Keller Trucking. Yeah, we had that wrong one time. Yeah. 
We had their name wrong. Oh, my God. This is why we ask you all of these things in the in the survey or in the questionnaire. We ask you what you want to be called because we get that wrong. We don't know what you want to be called. Yeah, we want to make sure we get it. We have our own short forms for everybody. Yeah. And those are not... That's not what you're going to put not on the bad, plaque. Or but the also, press it's not bad. We just have short forms. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> nobody know, else would know what that, those things mean. No. I don't think you would want the short form that we use in-house to be on your plaque. Yeah. So it's nearly all done now. We're, uh, we're getting close to having all of the pieces ready. And since you mentioned her, a shout out to Marley Hall at the mm-hmm. TCA who does Works fantastic. Works butt off. Yeah, she, she kicks butt all the time. Oh and my she's God. an awesome partner. So... Thanks, Marley, for all that you do. You're probably not listening, Marley, but maybe your ears are burning. Yes. So we have that coming uh, Tuesday, February 1st, 9 a.m. Can I just say about Marley is that Best Fleets is not all that she's doing right now. Oh, she's yeah. She's also doing Driver of the Year and Owner Operator of the Year, and there's the Safety Awards and all of that. And Highway Angel, I think, too. Yeah. She's coordinating all of that. And yeah. I don't know how she stays on top of I it I think all. it's Trello. Yeah. Yeah, she's very organized mm-hmm. and does a great job with all of that. So so there we are. We have the big announcement coming up. And since we talked so much about Best Fleets on the last podcast, and we will no doubt be talking about it again in future ones, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today because that's not even the only big thing that we've been working on. So <laughs> the thing that's been eating up a lot of your time is prepping for the ELDT mandate. So I think we should talk a little bit about that. Well, only part of the ELDT mandate. I'm not even, well, it's kind of all of it. So first of all, it was figuring it out. You know, what is this? And we kind of got a bumpy start on it. So we're deciding, you know, whether we're going to have a a package. Should we be registered? Should we not be registered? What kind of package are we going to have? And then we found out through um, uh, one particular customer that they wanted to use us for their hazmat ELDT. So I've been concentrating on just that. So we have a whole bunch of courses that fulfill, I would say, 75 to 80% of the general ELDT requirements. So we have our defensive driving. That's it? I thought we covered more than that. There are some very specific things that are, I might be underestimating it a little bit. I know doing math in your head is really what you love doing. And also, like when there's a lot of things going on, I'm definitely, the numbers part is going yeah. down. So I'm, 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 I'm estimating low. So somewhere between 70 and a number less than 100% is covered by our content. But we don't have all of the pieces and some of them we're probably not ever going to build because it wouldn't make sense for us to. Oh, that's your, yeah, okay. It's the summary. Well, you keep interrupting me and you're annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to speak, speak about this later. Um, because I had it in my head about all the things that we do cover. We cover a lot of it and we cover a lot of it very thoroughly. So if someone is taking our vehicle inspections course, there's a whole bunch of those ELDT requirements that are covered, but they're not covered in order. Uh I've seen a lot of the ELDT uh, design stuff that is E1, E2, E3, but it's not in the right order. It Mm. drives me up the wall because I know that people are going to be like, okay, we're going to teach this in the order that it says in the regulations. Well, why would the regulation be in such a weird order like that? 
Like, is this just some random list of topics that somebody thought of that everyone agreed needed to be covered? Honestly, I don't think people think about order. Mm. I don't think they do. And it's one of the fundamental differences between good training and bad training. Are you doing it in the right order? So if, if I'm learning about, so I'm going to talk about hazmat because that's what I've been, my head's been into. When you, when you try and teach someone about hazmat, do you want to start off with uh, what hazmat is or what do you do in an emergency? Yeah. You want to start off with what it is, the exactly. basics. But the, the ELDT requirements have emergency response. Like it's like the third thing. That's weird. But this is even before you even learn what the stuff is. Hmm. So why would you go through all of that, all the emergency stuff? Because it references the actual hazardous materials and a whole bunch of other stuff about the classification of it. But you're doing it right at the beginning. So people are going to completely forget about it by the end because they don't really understand it. Hmm. So if you teach things in a that build on each other then it's much easier for people to remember it. And the main goal of any training at all is for people to remember it. Interesting. And if you are teaching it in the wrong order, they will not remember it. I can't emphasize that enough. What kind of training do you want to give people? Do you want to give them something that's going to check a box or do you want to give them something they're going to remember? That is interesting because I know a lot of people are putting together a curriculum Mm -hmm. and they're going through that list of requirements for the ELDT the, the main CDL requirements, and they're not really thinking about the order beyond how it's spelled out in the regulations. And they absolutely should be mixing it up. So it really should be delivered in a very different order than what's in the regulation. It might be that some of the regulation is okay, but there's so much, there's so much information that's bits of other things that is just not organized that well. So there's a lot of bits of Things about parking that are mixed in with defensive driving and there's, it's just, it's all over the place. And that's one of the reasons that I had a hard time with it and that I would have to really spend a lot of time on how would I position in a complete ELDT package. And we could do that, but our customers aren't super excited. Like the people that we serve don't seem to want it that badly. Most of our customers aren't doing new but I, like that. But I, no, I have no problem with putting together a new entrant program, and we probably will at some point, but it's not going to be now. I can do that later. ELDT is going to be around for the next, you know, 50 years, so I don't need to rush to do it. I did want to do the hazmat one because a customer really did ask for it and, and wants to do their hazmat training through us. So I did that because we already had a hazmat course and I just wanted to make sure that it was um, uh, done like it was meeting the requirements. And I found the same thing with that, too. It's like it's all over. Like my course has everything all over the place. Hmm. And it's not because it's disorganized. It's because it is organized. It's just not organized the way the ELDT wants it, like thinks it should be organized. But it's basically, you know, if you put all your requirements alphabetically, that's not the way you te- should teach it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I ha- always have an issue with that. Regula- regulation people are not thinking about how people learn. No. They're thinking you need to know X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Even though Z should be taught first. And should be Z. Well, it, it depends on what well, I've been ELDT, listening to. Yes, ELDT, it should be a Z. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's my little rant about 
regulations and the order that things should be going. If people listen to this podcast even remotely regularly, I talk about this all the time. Yeah. Well, I I think just um, going back a little bit into what we're doing. So you glossed over a little bit. So we are not registering as an ELDT theory provider. So you can register to deliver the full program. You can deliver just theory or you can not register at all uh, for ELDT. And we're not registering at all, even though, like you've said, we have content that covers the majority of the requirements. uh, That content needs to be built into a different curriculum that is delivered by um, a registered provider. And we're not going to become a registered provider for general ELDT. It doesn't really make sense for us. However, if you do have an, if you are registered as an ELDT provider, you can use our, yes. our material for that. Yeah. We cover a lot of the, the, uh, material that's required. We're just not registered directly. Yeah. We've distracted driving defense. So much of it is just defensive driving. Yeah. And we have a lot of that, especially in our new defensive driving course that's coming out. Probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, There's a teaser for what we'll talk about later. But we are registered as a hazmat theory provider. Right. And that makes a lot more sense because for a hazmat endorsement, you have to go through the approved theory curriculum and then you go and you write the exam at the state level. So there isn't a practical element to it. There isn't a behind the wheel component. You just go and learn the theory and then go write the test. Mm -hmm. And that fits with what we're doing. So... That's what you've been working on is the ELDT version of Hazmat, which is slightly updated from what we have now. And since we're registered people that are taking that course, we will take their information and submit it into the registry so that they will be sort of going through the proper process. And very, very, very special thanks to um, Boyle Transportation and specifically Mike Glasgow, who was extraordinarily helpful Boyle Transportation has been very helpful as we go through this. And uh, um, so we want to make sure that we have a shout out for them. So, and um, so coming out of that, you're pretty much finished on the hazmat side of things. I'm just adding, we're just adding some audio that we had to get. There's extra content that was missing that we added. And I'm just getting some re-records done, but it's, it's, I would say, the end of next week. And from what I understand, most of that stuff that was missing isn't really stuff that applies to the trucking space. It's really just stuff that has to be in there for the requirement, like the passenger things. Well, the passenger thing is hilarious. And I I understand why it needs to be in there because the hazmat is a general endorsement in the U.S. It's not specifically for trucks, but I had to write some bus content. Yeah, weird. (laughs) Yeah, that was a little weird. Um, no, it was actually, I, I think that most of the content that I added should have been there in the beginning. It was a lot of operating the vehicle, mm. but I don't think that in the hazmat test, I don't think they ask you questions about that necessarily, mm. but it's something that you should know. I do. I did have some, but I didn't have things that were specific to what the LDT required. So we made sure that all the requirements were covered hmm. and it's good. And um, I'm probably going to move, I'm going to keep the ELDT version separate from the regular one, but I may move some of the content into the original one just to make sure that it's complete. It is yeah. a long, 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 Well, the feedback that I've heard course. from customers is that our course, even before you added those things, that our course was harder than the state exams. 
and that if somebody could pass yep. our course and pass your test, they can pass the state exam pretty easily. So, hey, I'm convinced that I write some of the hardest tests in the universe. Oh, I think so. Well, it's not like that comes off like it's sort of tricky and unnecessarily hard or hard for the sake of being hard. And that's not the case. But uh, when somebody passes your test, they know their stuff. And that's really what we want to establish. Do you really know what you're talking about? And if somebody can pass your test, particularly in hazmat, they know what they're talking about. There's no way to get through that test if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm being a bit flippant. The The reason, what I do is I don't like questions that that are so easy that you can not know the content and still pass the test. That's one of my pet peeves. Again, uh, along with not being in the right order, bad questions are another pet peeve. So true, false questions, and I think I've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, true, false questions, you can slide by, is not that difficult to figure out the answer. Well, it's mostly true. Yeah. Or it's mostly false. Like you get the sense of it yeah. in that like you go through the questions, you're like, oh, they're they're a false kind of person. But so. when it's a binary option like that, it's never very ambiguous. You're never really unsure. You read that question before you get to the end, you know what it's going to be. And all of the aboves and mm-hmm. none of like all of that stuff. What I find with questions is that you have to... You can't just know the right answer. You have to think about the wrong answers. Mm-hmm. So you have to give plausible scenarios that can be, that could be the right answer. And that's how you write a good test question is that if you have a multiple choice, then think of plausible scenarios. Yeah. So if the right answer is driving down the road, then maybe the wrong answers are biking down the road or biking down the street or, you know, make them very similar and plausible. And then that's a more difficult, it's a more difficult question to answer because you actually have to know the answer. And that's how I write my questions. And I think I've seen some of yours where people have to kind of go through and do some calculation type stuff. And the answer options are what they would come up with if they They made a mistake. (laughs) Yeah. If you make a mistake in step one, you'll end up with answer A. You make a mistake in step two, you end up with answer C, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So not only does it tell you whether or not people know what they're doing, but it gives you a sense of where their mistake was when they get the wrong answer. Absolutely. When So hours of service is an easy one. There's lots of numbers that are pretty common in hours of service. So 10, 14, 24, 8. So when I'm asking questions, I'm always asking, I'm using the same numbers all the time because it depends on the application you know, when is eight hours important? When is 24 hours important? And if you know that, then you know your hours of service. So if you start saying things like, you know, if you give answers that aren't plausible, then it's just too easy to guess. So how often should you take a break? After every 15 minutes, after every 30 minutes, or after every hour? Hmm. That's more plausible than saying 13, 14, or 15 minutes. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's the kind of thing that I'm doing. And this is what I've taught our, you know, our writers to do as well, is that, you know, don't give me an easy answer. Like, don't give me an easy question. If I can pass this this test that where I didn't build the content, then that's not good. And even if it's not passing, but if I can get like 60 percent without knowing the content, then that's not a very meaningful test. It doesn't tell you yeah. very much. No, it doesn't really. So. Testing is, and you have to build good content in order to build a good test. 
if now, you that's don't, one of the things that I've seen with your stuff that I can I find very interesting is that when you write the test, you find the problems in the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're not clear about something, you can't write a test question about it. It's as simple as that. If you if you say something or if you're wishy-washy about something and then you're trying to ask a specific question to test someone's knowledge and you can't, mm-hmm. it's you have to go back and go, okay, wait a minute. One, do I need this content in here? Or two, did I write it very well? And then you have to rewrite and do all of that stuff. Or when you're coming up with the alternate options. Yeah. Yeah, you might be able to write a question that gives the answer that's spelled out in the content. But when you try and come up with two or three alternate answers, the wrong answers, that's when you see, oh, I'm not sure if that would be wrong. Exactly. That's when, yeah. Or I, when I'm reviewing other people's questions, are there multiple answers that could be right? Yeah. That are, mm, no, in some cases that one might be right. So you can't use that answer. So maybe we need to clarify the content some more and make sure that everybody is understanding, including the writer. If the writer doesn't understand it, they can't ask a test question. And that's funny because that's one of those things that seems to be always a bit of a work in progress. When I think about the feedback that we get from people that are sort of questioning our test questions, that's often what it is as well. There's two of them that I think could be right. Like most of the time I see the one you picked, but this other one in a certain circumstance might be right too. Yeah. And it's tough. You know, when you write hundreds of questions, you are going to get some clunkers. So having people tell us when they're clunking is is good. It's, um, and you can't always you don't always realize every single possibility, but it definitely teaches you about the content and it kind of refines your knowledge. You get more in-depth knowledge of of what you're trying to talk about and you really learn how to be specific and what people need to know and what um, to avoid generalities. This is what happens when people use true-false. This is another reason that I hate true-false is because you can write lazy questions. Yeah. And just say, is this true or is this false? So you just have to take a sentence out of your content. And that's not a really good idea because if you take the sentence out of your content, often it sounds true. Yeah. Like, you know, or it sounds false. Or, it's or you a, throw in a negative and say, is it true or false? Or you throw in a double negative and really screw everybody yeah. up. Well, so. I think true or false questions are pretty much always lazy. I mean, that's when you don't have enough content to write if you're stuck with true or false, it's because you don't have enough meat in that content to really do anything to or test. Or the other reason that you would have a true false if it you have to say something that's very obvious. Yeah. And there's just no other way around. You have to have that content in there and there's really nothing else to ask. Yeah. And okay, so I do allow true falses every once in a while and I use true falses. But I try to make it, that's, that's your last resort. But you say every once in a while. I would say it's pretty rare. When you think about the number of questions that people are writing on any given course, and it's not like it's one out of 20 or one out of 30 questions that you would allow as a true or false. No, it would be one, one per set of two tests. Even then, I think that there's a lot of courses where you have no true or false questions. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised because I've taught all my writers how to not use it or I've given them edits or if they use a true false, I'll change it into a multiple choice or into a different type of question where you're choosing an image or you're choosing, 
you know, you're selecting from something. It, you just need to make it a different kind of question. And there's tons of those kinds of fill in the blank. That's a good one. Fill in now, the blanks are great. Now, that's a, a whole other area that people don't even think about is it doesn't have to be a word, multiple choice or true or false. You can use pictures. You can mm-hmm. use fill in the blank. Yeah, that's a great one because then you can have a sentence that's pulled from the content that's missing a couple of words or yep. missing something and you have to choose what goes in there. And make all those, you know, make those words the same length. Oh yeah, because there's always, <laughs> yeah, the fill in the blank and there's always one. It's the same thing with multiple choice. You have one answer that's three times longer than the others. Here's another common mistake that people use is that they feel like they have to have the entire answer as the option. Like yeah. the entire, uh, you know, the, ty- the entire explanation of the answer. So it makes the answer super long. You don't need to. Mm-hmm. Think about how people talk about stuff. They don't necessarily, if you're talking <laughs> about transportation of dangerous goods, uh, according to regulation, blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't need to put that whole thing in. Oh, you've opened a can of worms there because that is something that I see people doing their content that drives me nuts. It's because they don't know how to write test questions. All the content is just this endless spitting out of regulation numbers and sections and paragraph numbers. And that doesn't help anybody learn the material. And if you're coming back to us and questioning some of the content and you start with, well, according to 49 CFR section 395.83 subsection 2B, like, ugh, you've lost me already. And I'm not going to learn anything from that. Like, just get to the meat of it. What is it supposed to say? I think, I don't know. Is it people that are just trying to demonstrate they know it? No. And there's there something about, like, no. some sort of proving yourself by just no. memorizing all these numbers? No, you're being mean. Um, it drives me nuts. I understand it because it's the difference between auditing and teaching. Hmm. So, hmm, there you go. When you have to, and I, it really helped with this uh, a course that we just did for the BC Hours of Service for the motion picture industry. And we had, and we did this by request. So we weren't going to do it, but we had a, um, an organization ask us to do it. So while we were creating it, because this is kind of weird, um, we had both the company who requested it, but also their auditing company, which Mm -hmm. is a separate company and the auditor. And what I realized is that we teach backwards from what auditors do. So we look at it. So hours of service specifically, we look at it from a forwards point of view because we have time going forwards. Right. But, um, the gentleman who was reviewing it was talking about it backwards Interesting. and he was counting backwards and we were counting forwards because you can't count backwards in real time. You have to count right. forwards. Uh, well, in this dimension anyway, but the, you know, the counting backwards. So it was, it was a very interesting, um, kind of made me think, ah, okay. I see why when people come to us and say, there's a problem, they're going to the regulations and they're counting backwards. So they're coming from that audit point of view. Yeah. Which is start at the end and work backwards. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I've learned, like I know the regulations. I mean, I don't know it as well as an auditor, auditor, but I'm familiar enough with the regulations that I can say, okay, this regulation goes here because I've used it in the course. I mentioned them in the course. I don't, I don't make people memorize it. I give them the 
you know, here's where the regulation is in the regulations if you want to go and see it. So they know where it is. We don't talk about it in regulatory speak. So that's how I always do it. But I, you know, if you already know that and you're checking everybody else, then you're going to have a completely different perspective on it. Hmm. I know you didn't know this. I no, just I hadn't realized really thought this. Of that. But it also, it's something that's very useful for the audience when they're thinking about content. Are you wearing your auditor hat or are you wearing your educator hat? Because those are two different things and they're like the opposite. I guess it's a hat that's reversible. So which way are you wearing it? You know, flip it inside out and wear the teacher hat if that's what you're going to be doing and build the content in a way that is going to be working forward the way people think or the way people live their lives, not working backwards the way the auditor reviews it. That's fine. Put on the auditor hat at the end to make sure it's all correct. But as you're teaching it, teach it forward. Well, what's interesting is that I just realized this like this week. Yeah. So if I just realized this and I have been thinking very hard about regulations and education for a lot of years, I imagine that no one else has really yeah. thought of it. <laughs> so, well, I think there's an article in this. Oh, the idea of writing more things. No, we have a team. We have oh, a team yeah, to do this right. stuff. <laughs> yeah, we have people for this now. Okay, so this management is, yeah. by podcast. There you go, Sarah and Raffi. <laughs> we need a go. we Give need like a, a sound effect for that. The management by podcast. Yeah, we'll sound put a big effect. echo on it. <laughs> management by podcast. There we go. There you are. Go for it. Okay. Well, that is an excellent observation, and it does sort of uh, bring us around to some of the other things that have been happening. So, mm-hmm. the uh, Hazmat ELDT is nearly finished and will be out soon. And you did just mention the uh, HOS course. That was a service course specifically for the BC motion picture industry. Very granular, small audience for that one, uh, but. Um, probably going to expand later on but that one is now done uh i saw the last bits uh getting updated on that so that looks like it's live now which is good and then the big excitement the next big project in the content world is your overhauled defensive driving that you teased yeah. earlier yeah i'm very excited so, about that and i mentioned it when i did my update for our uh partners this week uh that it's coming and you've got a, a whole different approach to it in terms of the content. So it's not just the regular text, voiceover, images, and animations. Lots of people put 3D animation in there, and we've certainly done that now and done some really nice animations. Uh, but you've also got these, it's almost like these recurring characters from a graphic novel, which I guess is sort of the direction that you were going with it because these yeah characters that are representing different things uh, that go throughout the course. So Tell us a little bit about that. Give people a bit of a teaser on that before it comes out. So you're correct. Uh, We're going with a graphic novel approach, not to the entire course, but just to these four characters. And what one of the things that we do when we're designing a course is we try to pare it down into some some essential bits. So what Tiffany did, Tiffany is the uh, brain behind this, is she created four different characters based on things that affect your driving. So there is a mm. character for the environment. There's a character for the mechanics, uh, mechanics, l- legal environment, and the human factor. Mm. So all of these, all of these, uh, these four things are now characters in, in the course. 
And these characters sort of show up when they are the ones who are most applicable to the to the situation. So there's a character called Mechanica, and she comes up every time you're doing a vehicle inspection or if it's something to do with the vehicle itself, um, any kind of thing that affects your driving, but it's it's vehicle oriented. So vehicle inspection is the most is the most obvious choice. Environ is a character who is comes up when there's things in the environment that affect your driving. So wind, adverse conditions, um, the road, that kind of stuff. Legalius is the legal factor, and he comes up anytime we're talking about regulations and the law. He's one of my favorite ones. He he's a he's he looks like a sheriff. So we've got a sheriff, we've okay. got kind of a I was thinking when you said about legal stuff is it going to be like a dude in a skinny blue suit with a contract and something no these are great characters so legalius is a is a sheriff type and Mm -hmm. he's very he's he's very suave this Mm -hmm. guy and um mechanica is like a futuristic mechanic so she's got a lot of she's dressed in kind of chrome type of things humanor is a large uh kind of humanoid type character but he's a redhead he's very um that's pretty much all i can say about him i like he's another good one and environ who is the nature one is like a robin hood a very dark robin hood type Mm. so he's got a big hood and some sort of staff i think he has a bow and arrow or something like that and he you know they come up and they kind of make comments comments throughout the course and it's really um the the better there's better sections now in the course there's more content covered we have um better animation that's for sure so berenice who's our 3d animator she's just done a fabulous job we realized at one point that there were no yellow lines on the road so we have corrected that but that was our, we were sort of looking at them and go, oh, this looks great. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, we spent this all isn't this a time. One, this isn't a one-way street. Yeah, all this time on the motion of the truck itself. And then at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, we need some lines on that road. One of the things that you don't realize when you do a lot of animation is when you do 3D animation, you have to create the universe. Yeah. You don't just get a, like you can buy packages that have roads, but you have to put them together. So you have to determine is it a one-way road? Is it a two-way road? You know, where do the lights go? Where do the stop signs go? And, you know, she has one where there's a sign, a clearance sign on an overpass and the position of that clearance sign. There's a lot of things that go into it. There's a lot of detail. And so Bernice has been really done a fabulous job with that detail and she's been working on it. Um, Rachel is the graphic artist who did all the characters. So we had two different graphic artists working on it together and I'm, she's starting to, she's animating some of the, uh, the characters as well. So we'll have that in the course. Nice. Well, it's a good approach because like defensive driving is one of those things. It's like, ugh, again, defensive driving, like everybody's been through so many courses, like somebody who's been mm-hmm. a driver for 10 years, how many defensive driving courses have they gone through? And it's all the same stuff. And the fundamentals really don't change. It really boils down to slow down and look around. But how do you apply that in different ways? How do you keep that top of mind? And how do you find new ways to get people thinking about it that they can then apply into their normal day? So I love the idea of having these stories that kind of run through it 
because then it, it becomes something that is going to stick with people. If there's a story, if there's characters, if there's something happening, it becomes uh, more easy to remember it and follow along and apply it out in the world. Yeah, I, I was really concerned at the beginning that when Tiffany first um, asked me what I thought of the idea, my first thought was, oh, I don't want cartoons. Yeah, we don't want it to be cartoonish or yeah, childlike. But it's not. It's right. definitely not. Um, no, I, from what I've seen, it definitely looks like not comic book, but graphic novel that tend to be mm-hmm. much more uh, mature, much more adult uh, in nature. So it's really And nice. I don't want them to be, you know, they're not doing cartoony things. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're characters. They're sp- they're they're mentors. That's what their the characters are supposed to be. So they're giving advice. So instead of giving a cor- producing a course which is do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, the, the mentors are actually giving advice to to you as a driver about different things that they specialize in. So it's just a it, that's Tiffany's really good at, she's a great writer and she has a lot of different um, ideas about how to approach things that are very different from mine. You know, I'm more of a, okay, what's the content? Yeah. I'll throw a character on it, but she does it a lot. The character is more important when, mm. when she writes, she has more, she's more interested in the, in the, in the characters. Yeah. Well, I really like that because one of the things that sort of always comes up in that whole education space is like the last thing you want is for it to be 40 minutes of just lecturing somebody about do this, don't do that. No, no, you're wrong. Make sure you do this. And I have definitely seen content that is in some cases kind of condescending. It is basically, well, you driver, you better do this, or you're going to be in violation or you're going to get a ticket or you're going to jail. It's like, nobody wants that. I kind of understand where this sort of feedback comes from that drivers don't want long courses. Yeah. I wouldn't want to sit through a half an hour or 50 minutes of somebody just scolding me for every possible (laughs) infraction under the sun. Yeah. Of course nobody wants that, but that's why I was like the way that uh, your team does it and the approach that you take where it is, let's tell a story. Let's not treat them like criminals. Let's treat them like intelligent adults uh, and assume that the driver wants to learn. They want to know some things and, Let's find a way to do that and uh, make it a little bit interesting. And the amount of care that goes into these things, I think a lot of people maybe don't think about it too much or they maybe can't put uh, into words exactly what their response is to it. But there's a lot of care that goes into all of these courses. And in these subtle ways, it definitely comes out. Like how much work has gone into creating these characters and making them fit into the story and even just thinking of a, a way to do that. Like how can we make this relevant and give people something fresh and still cover the content that we need to. So that's a great approach. I actually, it's when you said that there's a lot of work, we started this, you know, last summer. And uh, I remember Rachel doing the initial, so Tiffany had the idea for the mentors and then Rachel was trying to sketch out what we wanted. And we had this huge meeting just about what these things should look like. And poor Rachel is trying to figure out what we're saying because we're just throwing out ideas. Oh, he can make him look like this or do this. And so then Rachel did some rough sketches. And then what she did, which was very cool, was she went and got some different graphic styles. Ah. So she actually will provide us with, you know, do you want it in... uh, 
this kind of a comic book or do you want this kind of a graphic novel or do you want this style? Or, and so there was like four or five different styles. And so we chose a style and she does this. She's done this with TDG because we're redoing the TDG course and we're ha- we are using a character and the character is going to actually be a dangerous good. And so we've got this um, graphic of a, right now it's um, H202, which I think is class three, no, class four. And so there's this blue uh, barrel with eyes on it and just the different styles that she's, Mm. she's given me a bunch of different styles and said, okay, which one do you want? And I'm like, okay, take the eyebrows from here, take the nose from Mm. here and you know, this color and oh, it's amazing. It's, it's so, it tells the story. It's so much brighter. Like you should see the defensive driving course actually has these colored buttons that go with each character. Nice. So it's so colorful. Huh. It's not, and it's not just, you know, your normal kind of gray roads and, you know, maybe have a red truck on it, but the color, it's much more vibrant. So I'm really happy with it. Yeah. Well, I think that is going to bring us to a good point to stop. Okay. So we've got a bit of a trailer number one for our upcoming defensive driving suite mm-hmm. uh, that will be coming soon. And we've got Hazmat. It's in voiceover right now. Yeah, we've got Hazmat ELDT coming shortly. And imminently will be the Best Fleets, the 2022 Best Fleets announcement coming on Tuesday morning. So uh, lots more to come. And I think that can wrap us up for now. So thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, have a good day.